Thank you, Laura. Man, what an amazing voice, and it was just what a great song. It's good to be with you guys. Let me pray for us. Can I do that? Father, we're grateful um, that long before the foundation of the earth, you, a sovereign God, had ordained this moment for ministry, and we do pray that, uh, God, you would speak to us today through your word. God, I pray for more uh, than just um, sitting and hearing your word, but, Father, that, that we would be approachable today to receive from it. Thank you, Father, for a campus that is dedicated to your glory, dedicated, Father, to your voice. And, and so having said that, it belongs to you, Lord. This is yours. And so come and speak through it. Come, Lord, and uh, use, Father, uh, your word today, um, the living and active word today, to minister to your children. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning. So uh, good to be back here on the mountain. I, I love this campus. Uh, I've been here tons of different times. And as uh, Ergen was saying a little while ago, um, having been here several different times, I, I'm just kind of falling in love with this school to the point where this is the place that I know and I pray one day my children uh, will get to attend when they're in their college years. I just think the world of the uh, faculty here, I think the world of what God is doing through the student body here. And, and more and more, when I'm out on the road doing ministry, I meet a lot of people uh, who are in ministry who I go, man, you're, you're an incredible pastor, or you're an incredible youth pastor, or you're an incredible minister of education. And I say, man, dude, wh where did you go to college? And the, the liberty comes up more and more. And so that's just such a great news that God is doing ascending work out of this campus. Now, I put this event this morning on my calendar uh, a few months back because really in anticipation and in longing, we were hoping that this morning I would be here sharing the stage with you uh, with three uh, teenagers from Ethiopia. Many of you know about these three teenagers. You more than just know a little bit about them. You are involved in their homecoming. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you were here last year, and you know what I'm talking about when I say we took a jeans offering last year for the Kinfei siblings, will you just lift your hand if you know what I'm talking about? Look around you, freshmen. The rest of us know what I'm talking about. For the freshmen uh, that weren't around, or the seniors that skipped, or the junior who was wayward and was, I don't know, getting drunk somewhere during that whole spiritual emphasis week, let me just tell you what was happening. We were here together, and we were worshiping God, and really, in the middle of our, uh, of our night, God dropped in our lap this mandate to go out to the world with more than just our songs and our prayers, but really with our pocketbook. We took an offering that night called the Jeans Offering. I asked students, I said, look, whatever your jeans are worth, to bring that amount over. I told you, I don't know if you remember, but I told you. I said, look, if, to, if tonight you're wearing a $300 uh, Prada jeans, bring 300 bucks tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with wearing nice jeans. If you feel like, hey, my body looks good in them. Good for you, all right? You're lying to yourself, but good for you, all right? So if you wear $300 Prada jeans on, bring 300 bucks. It's okay to lavish yourself with something nice as long as you had that same mindset with the kingdom of God in giving. I said, hey, if you got $150 diesel jeans on, but you're going, hey, I got them on sale. I got them for 50 bucks at Urban Outfitters. So what do I bring? The 150 bucks they're worth or the 50 bucks I paid? I was like, depends. Do you want to worship wholesale or do you want to worship retail? I mean, just quit bargaining and bring whatever you want. I said, if you're wearing $5 khakis from the Goodwill, bring that. If you're wearing a Speedo, leave the school. Send your money, all right? And so what we did was we took an offering and you came back and we were expecting 20, 30, 40,000 at best and you gave nearly $100,000. And it was an incredible thing. Now, in that offering, 
what we did out of our 80, I think six or $83,000 that was given uh, just initially in that time, initial time and then more was given. We took that money and we split it and uh, about a third of that money went to the Kinfei siblings. These are three teenagers that we prayed for during this week of Spiritual Emphasis Week, as you might remember. And as we were praying for them, we were saying, God, we want to ask you to take these three siblings, these three orphans that are separated in, in different orphanages in Ethiopia. We want to, God, ask you to take them from the category of highly unlikely to be adopted to the category of highly likely to be adopted. And in doing that, God, we want to just bring the finances that it would take, the, the huge mountain of finances that it would take to adopt a child. Not just one, but two. Not just two, but three. Well, we took that offering. We had that money. And, and just to kind of give you a, a little a quick snapshot of what happened past that is I left this mountain and went on a cruise to speak because that's how I roll. All right. So I went and I was on this cruise. And for about five days, I, I was completely away from everything that was happening. When I got back, we, we did a, a radio interview with over half a, I mean, over a million people, a huge syndicated radio show. And during their prime time hours, they say about two million people listened to it. And so we just went in there and for an entire hour, we talked about the offering. We said, hey, anybody who's interested in the church of adopting someone but doesn't have the finances, guess what? It's paid for. The students at Liberty University have written the check for this adoption to happen. On top of that, I sent an e-blast to 17,000 people. On top of that, I asked all my friends to send e-blasts. Third Day sent an e-blast, Casting Crown sent an e-blast, all these different bands sent e-blasts, all these different ministries sent e-blasts. We literally let millions of people know, hey, there's $33,000 sitting here, every expense paid for, for the adoption of three kids that are awesome, and they're in Ethiopia, and we let the world know, little bit not, I mean, not knowing all the while that God had already ordained the one person who was going to be the catalyst for that adoption to happen right here in the room the night that we took the offering in the first place. And that was, that was uh, just uh, the Wolf family. The Wolf family has always been close to the... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, she's about to come up, and I, and I know you know her a whole lot better than you know me, but uh, the Wolf family has always been close to liberty, and this has always been their heart to, to be... Makers of, I mean, just worshipers of God through uh, just their life, and, and this has been their place where they've gotten their education. And so, uh, Kristen was here that night, and and I never got to meet Kristen until this morning. But when um, when when I found out she was going to be here this morning, I asked her to kind of come and pick up kind of the pieces from here on, and quickly kind of tell you a little bit about where we are today. Obviously, we're here this morning, and you don't see the Kinfei siblings here; they're not with us. Here's the big part yet. Yet, and we're just praying for their homecoming. We're we're just longing to see them here in person. I can't wait to hug their neck. When they are here, I'm going to be here. All right, I'm going to do everything in my power to get to be here that Sunday or that Wednesday at chapel when where we're going to get to finally all just stand in line and hug their neck, you know, and it's going to be awesome. But but I've asked Kristen to come and just give us a quick snapshot of, of where they are in the process. Give us a little more hands uh, hands on because she she's the one dealing with it every single day. I'm the one reading your mom's blog every other week, you know. So. Uh, Kristen Wolf, everybody, you know her, all right? So uh, give us an update. Just tell us what's been going on. Um, well, like David said, we were supposed to and hoping to have the kids here by now. But over the summer, some stuff got backed up with the courts in Ethiopia. There was a big investigation that went on. And what happened is right now is the rainy season in Ethiopia. So their courts closed for three months because everything floods. Um, so our court date got backed up till October 17th. So what we're looking at right now is October 17th, our lawyers in Ethiopia will go to court for our kids, 
and um, hopefully everything will be settled that day. That day we'll buy plane tickets once everything goes through. So we're looking at traveling mid-November, um, which has been just cool to watch. Like obviously we were hoping they would be here by now, but the Lord has had a different plan and we're starting to see why because some stuff has happened with my family, with my dad getting a new job and actually moving to South Carolina, like I was telling David. So, um, but that's cool because my brother Shallow actually turns 18 December 1st. So mid-November he'll be here couple weeks right before his 18th birthday so the yeah. Lord has provided for him in that way so. that's amazing that's so great and I'm uh, Kristen uh, I want you to pray for them would you and pray for your family and pray just for us uh, just as we're a part of this and I, I just want to say this to you again thank you thank you for being a part of this with us and thank you for uh, not just sitting and auditing from the sidelines and going wow 200 million orphans out there need to find a home but saying wow this is true about what's happening in our world, and we don't want to just talk about it. We want to get in the trenches with it. And so I, I want to personally thank you. I know the Wolves are, are just grateful for this partnership as well. And I got a letter not too far past the time that I was here uh, from um, uh, the, scamp, the campus, and it was a forwarded letter uh, from your president basically letting me know, your school president basically letting me know that more than just the offering is going to be given to the Kinfei kids, but uh, uh, if they choose, if God calls them to come to Liberty, that their school, their room, their board, basically their, their entire college is paid for, for all three, and so thank you uh, to the great um, just, you know, faculty at Liberty for doing that as well. It's incredible. Kristen, would you pray? Lord Jesus, we just come to you and thank you um, that you are a God who cares about your children, Lord, and that you are in control and that you are just working out your plan so faithfully, Lord. We just thank you so much for the way that you use the body to work together to reach your people, God, and for the way Liberty students and my family and just so many people behind the scenes have come together to fight for these kids, Lord. And we just thank you, and we pray that you would just work in their lives, even now in Ethiopia, Lord. Just continue to work out the adop um, adoption details and just get them here, Lord Jesus, so that we can just um, welcome them into our family and um, just minister to them, Lord, as your children. We just thank you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Well, I've got about uh, 20 minutes with you this morning, and uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you just to get it out, if you would, with me. And I want to go to a promise in Scripture. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in this. And I want to say this to you. This is new for me. Uh, the, the thing I want to share with you is something that really, in the past few months, a uh, few months in my life, has set me free. In a lot of different ways. Uh, and if, as, as you, even as you're opening up your Bibles and, and you're going here, this is Isaiah 41, 9 and 10 that we're going to look at this morning. As you're going to Isaiah 41, 9 and 10 in your Bibles, let me just say this to you. Look at me. Uh, this is something I've always known, I think, but I've never really received. It's, there's a big difference between knowing something and even having the mindset, uh, uh, you know, uh, of, of one theological truth. And it's a whole other thing to actually uh, receive from it. There's a big difference between every day having a refrigerator in your kitchen full of clean water to drink. And then one day opening up that refrigerator, getting out the water and partaking from it. And, and this might seem really weird, and this might even not be the deepest thing you've heard. I promise you it won't be the deepest thing you've heard. But I'm just telling you this. This has set me free in the last uh, few months. This has been a revolutionary truth in, in the last few months in my life. And, and for years and years and years, I didn't even know anything was wrong. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've ever been there, where you, where you didn't know anything was wrong, wrong until you got it right. And once you got it right, you go, I didn't even know stuff was wrong. 
And that has really been uh, the case here in, in what I'm going to share with you. I want to read you a promise from the, from the word of God. God makes this promise to the people of Israel. But of course, he's the original promise keeper. This promise transcends time to you and to me. I know this isn't just for the people of Israel. I know this is also for a former Muslim. All right, Great irony. Not just the people of Israel, a former Muslim. I know this is true because it is true for me. Every one of these promises I'm going to read you this morning. All right, I want to tell you, they've come about. They have come to fruition in my life. If some of these promises have not come about in your life, that doesn't make it not true. Some of them you can put in the bank and cash later on in your life. If some of the stuff I'm reading to you in just a second doesn't uh, apply to you right now, you're going, man, I don't really deal with all of these struggles. I want you to know something. Hang on to it because one day you probably will. The question probably won't be if any of these things are going to be needed, but when. So you can put it in the incubator on this one, all right? And you can hang on to it. It's an incredible promise from God. Listen to this, Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. God says this. He says, I took you from the ends of the earth. Whether you're from where Ergen and I are from, whether you're from Alabama, whether you're from South Carolina, whether you're from China, whether you're from Russia, it doesn't matter. The righteous right hand of God can reach out to the ends of the earth. The voice of God can reach out to the ends of the earth. And God says, from his farthest corners, I called you. I love that. The God of this universe has decided to call us this morning. He's a caller. I don't know if you've ever had a celebrity call you. I was on a tour with this guy named Brian Littrell from the Backstreet Boys. And, uh, all right, all right, you know, and, uh, and one night we're on this bus, we're on this thing called the Glory Reveal Tour. He's an amazing guy, he's a strong believer. I mean, this guy has sold 86 million records and he's hanging out with an Iranian in a bus, you know, going out doing ministry. And, and one night we're sitting on the bus and, uh, and we're just kind of hanging out and we're just, you know, just talking and stuff like that. He's, I don't know, decoupaging his jeans or whatever these weird musicians do, all right, you know, and so he's over there in the corner, and I, and I just walk over, and I saw his cell phone, and I was like, hey, give me that cell phone, and I grabbed his cell phone. I sat there, and I just started looking through his cell phone, and it's incredible, all right? I mean, uh, I have a couple of people in my cell phone that, that might warrant me putting a lock on you being able to get access to it, you know? If you want to call Ergen, you know, I got his cell phone. If you want to call Johnny, I got his cell phone. I asked you for, for, for but you didn't give it to me, but I... I that's a whole other sermon. All right, but you know, uh, but you know, so I, I've got some people's cell phones, you know, my, but nothing, nobody really famous. But I'm looking through Brian Littrell's cell phone, and I'm not kidding you. I'm like, so when it says Tiger, that's Tiger Woods. If I dial this, Tiger Woods is on the other line. And he's like, yo, man, everybody got friends. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm flipping through it some more, and I'm like, where it says Britney. I'm going to dial this, and it's going to go right to the rehab center where she's at. And she's like, everybody got, everybody got friends like that. I'm like, you can call these people. I don't know if you've anybody ever, anybody had like somebody really famous that you've met? I've met some famous people, man. I met Michael Jordan one time at the airport, you know. This is before September 11th when Iranians could do freaky things at airports, like, you know, go hug a celebrity. I met Michael Jordan, uh, you know. I met Donald Trump. I sat on a plane with Prince. Or the symbol, better known as Prince, or whatever he's at, going for these days. It was so great. It was such an ego boost for a short guy to sit by Prince, because he's basically like somewhere between midget and dwarf. And it's just awesome. It's just perfect. And I was like, I love your music. It was awesome. I met Prince. And it was just so great. But you know, I got to tell you, the, the nicest celebrity I've ever met was Richard Simmons. I loved meeting Richard Simmons. 
I was, I was in New York. I was watching a play. My wife and I were there. Intermission, intermission, guys, is halftime, all right? Intermission happens, and Richard Simmons stood up right in front of me. And I'm like, you're Richard Simmons. And he goes, that's what they say. And I was like, what's up? I go, dude, you help people, man. You're awesome. You know, and we started talking. He was so nice. We spent the entire 15 minutes on the, in the intermission hanging out and talking to him. He had a starched tuxedo shirt. He had spandex pants on. He had a little lady's watch. I mean, I was like, man, that is a nice watch. He goes, man, men's watches are so bulky. And I was like, I know, bro. Dude, what we got? I told my wife, so give, me, give me your watch. I'm trying on her watch. We're laughing. We're, we're getting, we took a picture together. It was the coolest picture. I had the picture. It actually, I'm not kidding. The picture was our Christmas card that year. It was. It was me and Richard and my wife standing next to each other. And right under it, it said, hoping this Christmas you'll have a gay old time. I mean, that's beautiful. You got to give me, you got to give me that. You got to give me that. It's the best Christmas card ever. Like years and years later, I'll show up at somebody's house and they'll be like, come here, come here, come here, come here. They'll take me to the refrigerator and they'll go, every year we take down all the cards. This one has always stayed up. I asked him if I could do it. I told him what it was going to say and he was like, oh, that is awesome. But suppose like Richard Simmons and I were friends and he called me all the time. That would be cool. Honestly, that would be cool. Suppose Michael Jordan and I were friends and he called me all the time. Suppose Tiger Woods and I had access to one another and he called me all the time. Now listen to me. If a celebrity called you right now, you might go, I'm in the middle of chapel, but you'd be like, gotta go. (laughs) Now listen to me. We're not talking about a has-been basketball player who's now selling Hanes underwear or some guy on a diet plan who's made millions of dollars. The greatest celebrity of all times. He's saying to us right here, I know the number of your heart and I'm calling you. If that doesn't give you value, nothing ever in this world will. Nothing will. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You spend so much energy trying to get the right guy on this campus to notice you so that if he's your friend, then maybe some girls will notice you. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say that. Some of you girls know what I'm talking about. The energy that is spent in getting someone who's maybe even a local campus celebrity to kind of give you the time of day. And we just think, wow, the value. If if I was known by the people on campus that are really influential, the God of this universe knows us. He knows us. And he doesn't just know us and go, hey, listen, um, the presidents of the world... And, and the big-time guys like Ergen Kainer, they're going to have access to me. But you're a nobody. You're not allowed backstage. You're not allowed to call upon me. And I would never call upon you. I'm way too busy talking to the more important people. No, the God of this universe has decided to call us today. There's great value in that. Listen to this. He says, I've called you. So hopefully he's got our attention this morning. And then he says this. I've called you and I have said you are my servant. You're my servant. And I have chosen you, and I've not cast you off. Maybe that's just for one person in this room. Maybe it's for just a whole bunch. But the God of this universe knows every inconsistency, every failure, every sin you've ever committed, every victory you've ever had. And he's decided this morning to say, I'm calling you, you're valuable to me, and I've chosen you. I choose you. I choose you. I used to get picked last growing up 
at sports all the time. I was like a, a, a wedgie waiting to happen, all right? Horrible athlete. And I would go to PE and get picked last. I mean, I remember standing there at PE. All the jocks would stand there and pick teams. All the different guys would get picked on different teams. And girls would get picked on different teams. The people in wheelchairs would roll on different teams. And I always stood there last, like, okay, you know. And if that's you, if you always get picked last at everything, if you didn't get the, the scholarship, if you didn't get the promotion, you get looked over in things, if that's you, listen, God says, I choose you. I choose you not based on how pretty you are, not based on how rich you are, not based on how cool you are, not based on any. I don't choose you based on you. I choose you based on my son. Incredible value there. It's not based on our performance. I've chosen you and I've not cast you off. And then he says this. He says, fear not. And right after that, I love this part, y'all. It says, fear not, comma. I love that comma. What an incredible, honking, powerful comma that is right there. Fear not, comma. You know why? Because I'm, I'm a why kind of person. Somebody says something to me, I'm always like, why? Anybody else? You want to know the reason? And... and and God says, do not be afraid. And then there's the comma. Because he knows, right after do not be afraid, I'm going to be like, why? The economy's pretty shoddy right now. I try to call my Merrill Lynch guy. You know? He's no longer my Merrill Lynch guy. He's my unemployed, formerly with Merrill Lynch guy. So I'm like, okay. So we've been saving all these years. Put it to this guy. I, mean, I can't even get a hold of the guy who's supposed to give me financial security who's right now doesn't have it himself. You know, my, every, everything around me in finances is kind of weird. Everything around us globally seems like, you know, Ahmedinejad is in Iran. I mean, it's in America today. And, you know, he's kind of like shaking hands and kissing babies with people. I mean, it just feels unstable. The world, if you really know about it, is a place, if you really look... It's very overwhelmingly fearful. In the middle of all that, I'm like, okay, God, all this stuff's going on. Why should I not be afraid? For some of you, it's a whole lot bigger than that, right? You're like, man, you don't understand, David. My mom called me yesterday. She has cancer. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say, David, you, don't be afraid. I don't even know how I'm going to pay for this semester versus next semester. David, everything in my life is shaky. I'm so concerned that your Merrill Lynch guy is fired. I can't even pay the electrical bill in my life. And if that's you right now, you're going, why shouldn't I be afraid? God gives us the why. He says, do not fear. Why? For I am with you. For I am with you. I'm with you. By the way, if he's not, be with, if he's not with you, be afraid. Be very afraid. And our strength is not in us, but him. It's the strength of the Father who's with us. Why we don't have to be afraid. I remember there was this kid in our school when I was in the sixth grade, Corbett Shelton, who used to beat me up every day after school. Corbett wasn't the bully of our school. He was the biggest wimp in our school, except I was the one guy below him in the food chain. So poor Corbett would get beat up, then he'd come looking for me to detox, you know? And one day I told my dad, after school I told my dad, I said, Daddy, every day after school I get beat up by this kid named Corbett Shelton. And my dad looked at me and he goes, Tomorrow after school I'll be waiting for him in the front. And we're from Iran. We've got jihad in the blood. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's in there. All day long, I walked around school thinking, today after school, my dad is going to jack slap another sixth grader. We're going to get sued, but it's going to be awesome. I mean, I just remember thinking that all day. After school, I run outside. My dad is sitting in the car. I go get in the car, and he goes, no, wait outside and wait for him. So I stood outside, waited for Corbett, and Corbett saw me. He didn't know my dad was in the car behind me. So he starts running towards me. And instead of running away, I stayed and I bowed up. It's possible. I tried, all right? You know, and I, said, 
I looked at him and said, Corbett, I'm tired of you messing with me. You will never mess with me again. And somewhere during the words, mess and with me again, my dad got out of the car, stood right behind me and looked down at Corbett. And Corbett looked at me, looked at my dad, looked at me, looked at my dad, and he started to cry like a little woman. And I want you to know that outside of my salvation, that was the second greatest moment of my life. And you clapping means you have a sick sense of humor. And this is why I love this campus. And so that's the picture that God is painting for us. Whatever giant you're facing, whatever Corbett Shelton might be in your life, whatever it is, whether it's the giant of pornography, whether it's the giant of doubt, whether it's the giant of religion, whether it's the giant of finances, whether it's the giant of your physical body falling apart, it might be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than him. Do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. I am with you. And I say all that because I just want to springboard right into this. And then listen to this one. This one's, this one's so deep, man. This one's so deep. So deep. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. And then he says this. He says, and I will. It's a promise. Not I might. Not I might. Not I'm going to watch and see how you're behaving. And if you behave really good and my behavior policing finds me okay with you, then maybe. No, no, no. I will, it's a promise, we can bank on it. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I'll help you. Anybody here need help? Really? Yeah. Not too long ago, I was... uh, I was driving from Birmingham, Alabama, where I live, down to um, Panama City Beach to speak at this event. To go to Panama City Beach from Birmingham, Alabama, you basically go down Highway 65 until you get to Montgomery, about an hour south of Birmingham, and then you take a highway called 331. As soon as I got off the highway and got on 331 to go down to Panama City, which is a path I've taken a thousand times. I took it two days ago. I just flew here from there, all right? So uh, I was driving down to go speak. I was all by myself in my car. Got to go down there, speak one night, and drive back. But as I got down 65 to get on 331, all of a sudden uh, I realized that the road was blocked and they were doing construction or whatever. So they detoured all the way out of 331 and 15, 20 miles later, I'm on 231. I never take 231 to go down. So there's 331 the way I always go and then there's 331, I mean, I'm sorry, 331 the way I always go and 231 the way that I never go. And so all of a sudden I'm on 231 and I'm like, okay, this has been going to cost me about half hour, but it's okay. And as I'm going down 231, I hit Dothan, Alabama. Now, I used to live, when I was just a kid, I used to live in, in Enterprise, Alabama, which is about 30 minutes away from, from this town, Dothan, Alabama, that I'm now driving through. And when I was a freshman in high school, we would go to Dothan. Dothan was the big town to do the, the shopping because it was the town with the mall. It's not a big town, but it was bigger than Enterprise where I used to live. We would go to Dothan to play tennis tournaments because it was on the tennis team. We'd go to Dothan, you know, to, to do all kinds of big town stuff, even though it was just a town of about 70,000 people. So I'm in the car, this is just a few months ago, and I'm driving down the road. I'm down 231 and I'm in Dothan. And as I'm driving right outside of Dothan, I see the sign. And then I just look at the building right beside the sign, and I, it just hit me. This is a place that I played a tennis tournament in before in. It's a place called Olympia Tennis and Spa. So we're drive, I'm driving by it, and as I'm just driving by it, I'm now 
past Dothan, you know. It takes you five minutes to drive through Dothan, you know. So I'm just kind of passing, driving through. And as I saw that sign, it just starts to come back to me. That that's the place when all of a sudden, everything between me and my dad became broken. So I'm driving by myself in the car, and I'm, and I'm thinking back about that time when I was at that spa, that Olympia tennis and spa at a tennis tournament. I was a junior in high school, and I was on the tennis tournament. I was on the tennis team, and, and as a tennis team player, we were playing Dothan. And Dothan was usually the, ones, the, the team that killed everybody in the state, much less like little bitty old Enterprise Alabama's tennis team. I was at the third seed, but, but for some reason, I was having an incredible weekend. I mean, I could not miss the ball. I was seeing everything right. I was hitting everything right. And the next thing you know, my other teammates are playing well, and we are now in the final moment. There's only one match left, tied, three matches against three matches. The siding match is me playing all of a sudden against the number one player in the state of Alabama who plays the number one seed. Somehow the second and the third seed guy decided they weren't going to play it. I'm the one playing the number one seed. I'm telling you, man, I'm there. I'm scared to death. I know this kid. I've watched him. I've admired him from afar. This kid's a 16-year-old who's got two people giving him tennis lessons. I'm just some kid from Enterprise who's just lucky he knows the rules, you know, but I'm having a good weekend. I'm having a really good weekend. So we start to play. And as we start to play, I look out on the sides, and nobody, nobody ever comes to watch these tennis matches, but, but the entire tennis team is there. His, his entire tennis team, my entire tennis team, and in his tennis team, the girls from his tennis team are there. And the girl that I really, 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 really dug, who I saw at the country clubs, I saw at other tennis meets, she goes to their school, and she's sitting there, and she's watching us play. My dad is there. Whole family. So we start the tennis match. All I keep thinking about is this girl. I'm not even thinking about the tennis. I'm just thinking, man, I cannot believe she's here. I mean, I, I would have worn my other shorts if I thought she was here. You know, I would have plucked more. You know, whatever. You know, I'd have been ready because we got to pluck because it becomes a visor if we don't. All right. So you know, so so you know, I, I, I got my racket. I go out there and I'm just so nervous because I'm thinking about her and this guy's already so much better than me. And the next thing you know, it is 3-0. He has won the first three games like within five minutes. We cross to the other side, two more games, boom, boom, 5-0, and he is just killing me. He is clubbing me like a baby seal. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he is just beating me down. He is doing to me what Ike did to Tina. What's love got to do? You know what I'm talking about? And it's wrong, but it's a mental picture. You know, get it, right? And I just feel like, man, this guy is manhandling me. He is tough. We're 5-0. I'm embarrassed. Everyone's giggling. Everyone's laughing. They're all cheering for him. He looks at his friend and goes, go ahead and order pizza or something like that. Like, hey, we're going to be done in about five minutes. We're about to be done with this kid. Like, he's already making plans to leave. And as he crosses me and I'm crossing him, out of embarrassment, trying to be cool, I look at him and I go, hey, dude, you ever seen the inside of one of these rackets? And he goes, What? I go, you ever seen the inside of one of these rackets? And he goes, what? And I took the racket and I just started to beat it on the ground. And I broke the racket like into nine pieces. You know, they're graphite. They're not made of anything sturdy. And, and I go, this is what they look like trying to be really cool. And threw my racket. And I went and sat down, put the towel over my head, drank some Gatorade. You know, everybody was giggling. They're like, I can't believe you just broke a $150 racket, you know. And I um, got up, got another racket out of my bag and started to walk over to the other side, it's 5-0, and as I walk over to the other side, I'm spinning my racket to try to be cool, and as I'm walking back, I hear, David, and it's my dad. He's come out of the stands, 
And he's walking towards my tennis bag. And he reaches down and he grabs the broken racket, shattered broken racket. And he walks right over to me. And in front of my tennis team, in front of his tennis team, in front of the very girl that I really loved, in the front of everybody who was anybody in my life at that moment, my father walks right over to me. And he puts the racket in his left hand with his right hand. He slaps me. Then he grabs the racket and he puts it in my hand. Then he gets, give me the other racket. And he takes the other racket and he says, finish the match with this racket. My face was red from the slap and my neck was even more red because of embarrassment. And I stood there with a broken racket and this guy didn't know what to do. I go, just serve the ball, dude, just serve the ball. And he served the ball, man, I try to get it, you know, just boinged off the racket. We played for another 20 minutes and he was done. And for the rest of the year, anytime somebody broke a racket, they would go, hey, give it to Nasser. He'll play with it. And we laughed it off. And 15 years later, I'm sitting in a car all by myself, detoured out of the way, and I'm driving by it. And as I'm driving by it, I see it. And it was almost like it was the day before. And I cannot stop the tears. They are just rushing out of my ears. I mean, out of my, my eyes. I mean, I'm just out of my nose. I, don't, I mean, I am just a mess in the car. And I'm like, what am I doing? What's going on? And I'm like, what? I'm trying to get a hold of myself. So I finally pull in the Wendy's parking lot. I'm sitting in the Wendy's, and I'm just crying. People are coming back, you know, like getting the fries off of them. They're looking at me in the car. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I'm in this Wendy's 10 miles away. I finally turn the car, go back all the way to Dothan, go all the way to that place. Nobody's there. It's kind of early, so the place hasn't even opened yet, you know, the club. I get out of the car. I walk right to the tennis courts, exactly where I knew it had happened, as if I just had it happened to me the day before. It was just like all coming back, flooding back. And I sat right there in those bleachers. And I was just weeping and weeping. And God said, get up. And I got up and I went and sat right in the middle of that court. And I just put my hands up. And I wish as a speaker I had something profound to say. I wish I had some incredible quote from a Piper book I could pull out. I just put my hands up and I go, help me. Help me, God. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me, God. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Because a wounded heart can never really beat as fast. Help me. I wish I had something bigger to say. It breaks my heart when I ask, anybody here read God's promise? He's a helper today. I will help you. you go, anybody need help? And you're like, yeah, whatever. Help me, Lord. Help me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got those wounds in your heart. You've got those wounds in your life. Listen, the revolutionary truth that God dropped on my lap that morning at that tennis court was this. Look at me. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The power of the gospel is not just for the sins that you've committed. There's power in the gospel, not just for the sins that you have committed. The power of the gospel is not just for the sins that you've committed. Because you've committed a lot of them. I've committed a lot of them. The power of the gospel is not just for the sins that you've committed. There's power and healing in the gospel for the sins that have also been committed towards you. Towards you. 
And we just always go, God, forgive me of all the stuff I've done. Forgive me of all the stuff I've done. And we just move on. Some of you this morning need to understand, God ordained me not to be here to hug a kinfei neck, you know, of a kid. But God brought me here today to let you know that you can find healing, not just the sins that you've committed though through, but to the gospel to the very sins that your dad may be committed towards you, your mom may be committed towards you, your best friend committed towards you, that very best friend who you look at today and go, no one betrayed me more than that very person I trusted. And some of you go, man, this is just heart feely stuff. I'm just telling you, some of you know what I'm talking about. There are wounds in your heart. You've never dealt with it. You got daddy wounds. You got mama wounds. You got friend wounds. You got pastor wounds. You got religious wounds. Some of you have wounds in your heart. You never dealt with it. You think you're okay, but you know you're not okay. You have a wounded heart. It's not healed. And by the stripes of Jesus, he wants to heal you today. Anybody say that's me? I mean, no music playing, no, no heads bowed. Anybody saying that's me? I mean, today, I need to come to Jesus and say, not just forgive me of the sins I've committed. I need to come to him and say, heal me of the things that have been committed against me by other people. Anybody say that's me? Stand up. I know it's vulnerable and I know it's uncomfortable. Anybody say that's me? I've been neglecting it. I've been hiding it. I've been thinking, well, it's just stuff I've dealt with. I don't want to go back to the back. No, some of you know what I'm talking about. You need today to come and say, I'm not healed of that. Every day I kind of get up and I, I kind of really exist on two tracks, loving Jesus and holding on to all the things that have been done against me in the past. And today I need to let go and say, Jesus, heal me. Heal me. Anybody else? He was wounded, pierced for our transgressions. The punishment, the punishment of the sin of all mankind was brought upon him by his wounds. Isaiah 53, 5 says, we are healed. Receive that today. Receive that today. What sin has done, grace can cover today. Not just the sin you've committed. The sin that had been committed against you, grace can cover today. Some of you are going, you can't have that, David. You don't know what he's done. He told my mom and I he'd never leave us. He told us he'd pay alimony. He's a horrible man. I see him with a brand new car. He won't even help me one nickel with, a, with college. I hate him. He's the worst. I wish I didn't have a father instead of having that kind of father. And in that hatred, God is going, do you trust me? Just open your heart and let me heal. Rise up. Anybody else? Anybody else? So me know what I'm talking about. Every time you th- think about your dad, it's just some guy who wants you to perform. The only time he ever gives you any emotion or passion or attention is when you've done something wrong. And you have a broken relationship with earthly people that have wounded you. And that's why your heart can never really beat fast. Receive today. Come on. Anybody else? I need help. I don't have it together. I need help. I know today that this is... Just For me, for me, for me, for me. I'm telling you what sin has done, grace can cover today. Death today can lose a sting. It's not just about what you've committed. This morning, it's about what's been committed against you. It's time to let go. That boyfriend who robbed you of your purity. It's time to let go. It's time to quit blaming him. It's time to quit looking back at the past. 
That dad who always sized you up. That person who said something really, really crude. And you hang on to it. Maybe even someone who just right now, you have every right to hate. Except grace gives you the opportunity to love. Anybody else? One last time. Anybody else? This is for me. This is for me. This is for me. Rise up. Rise up from the death, the death of pain, the death of your past. Rise up. I want our leadership team just to pray over you, okay? If you're standing up, wherever you are, just come. Just come right here to front. We want to lay hands on you. We want to pray healing over you. We just want to minister to you. Just come on. If you're standing up, just come. If you're coming, you're saying, I don't have it together. If you're coming, you're saying, I don't have it together. There are wounds that I don't want to put a little band-aid on. There are wounds that need surgery today. Just come. Students, you know who you are. Leadership students, we need you to come. Lay hands on people. Just come with them. Just come with them. Just come with them. Students, leadership team, you know who you are. RA leaders, just come. Just lay hands on people. Some of you right here in the front, wounded people, look at me. Look at other wounded people and start ministering right now to them. Pray for each other right now. Just start connecting. Just right now. Some of you don't, might not even need to say anything. You just need to be just held for just a moment. Before we just start to pray over you. Come on, come on forward all the way. Come on forward all the way. Leadership, be aggressive here. Now come on, get in here. Get in here and just connect with people. Wherever you are, just in the aisles, wherever you are, just connect with people right now. Just connect. I'm telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you. Some of you, the reason you don't trust God the Father is because of an earthly father. And today, that wounded heart needs to be handed to God. He's the restorer. He's the healer. Some of you, the reason you go from one relationship to another, you keep bouncing from mistake to mistake, is because you've never really gone back and found true healing the gospel offers come today the, the healing waters of Jesus Jesus is the light of the world he's the light of the world and some of you today you're, you're coming out of your seat you're coming down you're going man I, I'm not even going to make it to the altar do I need to come to the altar no just the confession of your heart is for you to step out of the darkness and into the light just to step out and to say, I'm exposing this pain in my heart. I'm not afraid. Leadership, just come and just pray for people. Just lay hands on them right now. Just intercess, just push in for them. King Jesus, we thank you that you've conquered sin. Not just sin we've committed. Sin of all that's been committed against us. We thank you today that there's great power in the gospel today. Not just saving power, but sustaining power, King Jesus. You're mighty today, Lord. You're mighty to save. The compassionate God that you are, the helpful God that you are. If you need help today, just lift your hand before him. Just, just lift it up right now. Just say, I need help, Lord. Help that you can only bring. Just shout to him. Say, help me. Say it. Just, just come out of the darkness. Just say, help me. Help me, Lord. 
Whom do I have in heaven but you? You know me, Lord. When I sit, when I, when I rise, you pursue me from afar. We trust you today. I want you to know, when I got out of that tennis court and I, I got in my car, I didn't call my dad. I didn't call him and go, hey, dad, I forgave you today. He would have been like, for what? That time you hit me. Which time? He wouldn't have known. It wasn't about him. It was about me. It was about the Lord. It was, the stakes were so much bigger. I want you to know that the reason my dad hurt me is because he was wounded. Hurt people hurt people. I get that. I want you to know that whoever hurt you, God loves them. Know that the Lord is a healer, but he's just. Just hand them to, them, to him. He is just. It's his mercy and his justice on that person that hurt you today. And Jesus, good to us. Come living water, we just uh, ask you come. Great physician, come. We hand you the heart. We pray for heart surgery today. Do surgery today. surgery, Lord. I'm just going to sing just for a minute. And, and uh, just whatever, just, let's just worship just for a minute together. And let's just find just therapy and healing just in just singing just his word. Whisper his name, Jesus.